FamilyOfficeRealEstate.com podcast with your host, DJ Van Curen. Each podcast is about real estate-related topics specifically for family offices. Now your host, DJ Van Curen. So thank you for tuning in to U.S. Family Office Real Estate, which is now the Family Office Real Estate Institute podcast. Um, today, we've got Debbie Dorsch and Eileen Hartzell from Parallel Risk Advisors. This is a, uh, an insurance uh, risk company, which I had the pleasure to meet the, the principals, and, and two of them, which we have with us today, are on the line. And um, I've been really looking forward to this conversation um, so that I could even learn more about you know, what you guys are doing and, and the work you're doing with family offices and related to real estate. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you, DJ. It's, it's great to be here. Great. So first off, why don't you tell me a little bit about your firm and what you guys do? Absolutely. This is Debbie, and we are a risk management firm. We specialize in commercial real estate, and we provide a suite of services to the commercial real estate industry. And what that includes is insurance placement, consulting, and in the consulting realm, we'll do compliance consulting, transactional lender consulting, and claims advocacy consulting. Got it. So could you explain a little bit more, I guess, of those different areas that you just mentioned? Absolutely. So I just want to start by saying this is Eileen. You know, we as the two of the three founding partners, you know, came together and started this firm because in our previous lives where we all were involved in, you know, real estate, um, finance, construction development, we had just had a, you know, fairly negative sort of insurance experience, and it was puzzling to us that, you know, high, highly sophisticated industries like real estate and development could not find, you know, sort of an insurance solution that provided more than just a transactional placement, because we found that you know, real estate companies, uh, whether sort of a traditional model or a family office trust, really were looking for a heavier advisory role that could help them, you know, at a transactional level for like a deal closing or a construction closing, that could help them navigate the various requirements and relationships with lenders or investors. And they needed somebody who could really take all the moving parts and help them not just transfer the risk to an insurance policy, but transfer the risk to contracts and help them you know, mitigate risk at a, at a higher level. Um, so we really started the firm in order to help real estate companies with all aspects of insurance and insurance risk management. And, and that has sort of led to then being hired only to provide consulting or only to provide compliance. Um, to represent, you know, various folks within a, a transaction, whether that be a lender or a contractor or a third-party investor or, you know, the actual uh, development uh, real estate owner. And Got it. And I know I had asked a question before about, you know, some of these different areas, but I do want to ask before I forget. So 
how you know you were saying that you guys came together to to provide all of this um, from an industry perspective. You know, how often do you feel a lot of this, these services or the way that you're going about it is missing? I mean, is it, is it that the majority only focus in one area or is it the majority just doesn't get involved? I mean, how, what, do you, what do you see in the market that's, you know, really allowed you guys to differentiate yourselves? So, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I mean, the reality is that there, there really aren't any there, there aren't any firms doing what we do, which is offering sort of both the consulting advice as well as the placement. And, you know, what we find is that, you know, the, the typical broker, whether it be someone sort of local or an alphabet house, their entire structure is set up on renewable insurance policy placement. And so because that's the driver in their revenue model, that's the driver in their thinking and how they do business. So they want to sell you an insurance policy, and they make commissions off of the cost of that policy. So the higher the premium, the higher the income to them. And then on the other side of it, you have consultants who absolutely, you know, they're, they're um, generating income off of fees. So obviously they need to be providing consulting and advice and, you know, uh, providing a little bit more but they are so disconnected from the actual insurance placement and the world with which you know, the broker has to deal with the insurance carriers that they start to become almost unrealistic and so far removed that they're asking for things and involved, or I guess that's the right way to say it, I guess, I mean, asking for things that aren't pertinent anymore. The, the world's just not working that way. And so... You have these two people working, creating kind of an additional layer of relationship burden for the real estate owner, and neither of them are in each other's world. And so. I'd like to, to add to DJ, that we did start our firm as brokers, but we functioned very differently in terms of that service. So over the course of our business, and in keeping with industry trends, as far as risk management goes, it, it really does blend those two things. Um, but we now lead with the fact that we're risk managers. And within that umbrella is placing insurance. So we don't put ourselves out there as insurance brokers. We are risk managers. And we also can place the policy as a solution. So it's, it's one of our solutions. So, so when you guys, you know, came together, the three of you, uh, the principals, and you said, we, we've got this, you know, I think this is the better way to go about it. Um, what was the, and obviously before you started um, working together on this philosophy, you know, it was probably like, okay, we think this is going to work, but yet we don't know yet because we haven't really dove in. What was it like when you started implementing the strategy um, yeah. you know, I mean, with, with clients? It was really a study of ourselves, honestly, over years, just really paying attention to what we do, um, which really gets very deep into contract review, policies and procedures, training, anything that really fits into that deep level of service where most of our clients do not have someone on their staff to handle. 
And as we really started watching ourselves and what we were doing, that's when we really could see who we were. But it did not start out that way. It yeah. started out, we knew we could, we love the real estate industry, and we knew we could do it because we were doing it at other firms. But I think like a lot of businesses, you don't start out really, it, you evolve. You evolve over the years, which is absolutely what has happened. Yeah, with okay. us. I mean, it, it's, I think the, us taking a hard look at really what we were offering so that we could put words to it started with a client of ours. Um, they're a large retail buyer and developer across the country, and they were on the phone with one of their institutional capital partners out of New York. and. Every single time something related to risk management or indemnity or insurance came up on the call, the owner um, that for our client kept saying, send that to parallel, send that to parallel, send that to parallel. And at one point in the meeting, the institutional capital said, who is parallel and why are they doing all this stuff? And so they explained who we were and the institutional capital partner said to our client, get them up here next week to visit with us. Our broker doesn't do any of this. Um, so it was in that conversation that we realized we were saying we were one thing and we were really doing so much more and it was so well received. I mean, the clients that we have can't even really imagine having one without the other because how good of a job can you really do transferring risk to an insurance policy if you don't understand the client's full risk, the client's risk appetite, and all the intricacies of the, you know, their company? I think that's a really good point because we don't, as part of that risk management philosophy, we aren't just trying to sell a policy. We're also trying to pass risk back to the other side um, or just educate the client on self-insuring or avoiding managing it themselves some other way besides buying insurance, which is a very different mindset yeah. than a pure insurance broker. Yeah. And initially, I think the biggest challenge was actually that it wasn't as well received at the insurance carrier level because, of course, they sort of look at the brokers as their sales force. Um, so the conversation had to be significantly different with these carriers explaining that you know, we, we work for the client. We do not work for the carrier. We understand that we utilize the insurance policy as a, a part of the risk management um, solutions that we provide, but to the benefit of the carrier is that we have clients that trust us. Um, we have them for, you know, a long time, if not forever, which obviously is the plan. And the risk management really protects the, the loss ratios, right? So the carriers are hearing a very different story from us, but initially the difference in the story was, you know, a bit concerning for them because they didn't think, you know, we were just doing it different. Yep. So, so, so has the insurance company adopted to your strategy? Because yeah. I'm sure you had your, your sort of swimming upstream at least for a little sure. while. Absolutely. They, they, it definitely takes a while, and we have to retell our story over and over again um, to the same team at the same carriers or as the teams turn over at the carriers. Um, it's just making sure that we are always communicating how we work and what we do. Um, it's, it's the one thing the three of us are unwilling to compromise on because at the end of the day, the client trust is, 
is the space we work in, right? That's, we, we knew the insurance experience we had as the clients were miserable. We knew why, because the lack of transparency, the lack of understanding. I think, Debbie, you were reading, I don't know if it was Wall Street Journal or what it was, but it said something about how the insurance industry is the number one most mistrusted industry. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. unbelievable, and um, you know, we feel like we're at the forefront of creating really a whole different sort of brand within the industry, which is yeah. more trusted, more transparent. And we do think we're at the front of that. You do see that trend, though, with all the disruption happening in our industry. It's people get tired of a certain way of working, and they'll start demanding. And when there's technology available for them to get it another way, mm -hmm. the masses will start to demand. So we're certainly on the forefront of a different mindset. Um, but yes, the, the statistics say that our the insurance industry is the least trusted, but it's also a tr some multiple trillion dollar industry as well. So there's, there's a lot of buying that happens in our world. So we think we can make a positive impact on that. Well, one of the things that I'm gathering from, your, from the comments that you both are making is, is, is the relationship component. Um, that's you know based upon what you're working on rather than the, the transaction itself. I, I don't know if I phrased that right or not, but it you know going into much more depth and and working with families and being a part of a number of family offices um, for years now. I mean, trust is a absolutely huge thing uh, with family offices and relationships. I mean, relationships are the number one thing, and a lot of times. That's the problem with people that are, are, especially when they're trying to raise money from family offices, is that they don't put the time in to build that relationship and trust, and, and that's really what you have to have. So I, I understand when we were you know, having dinner a number of months back that you guys you know, have done um, some work with some family offices. How long have you been working with family offices on their insurance? Yeah, I mean, even prior to the uh, creation of Parallel Risk Advisors, um, we had all been involved in some capacities with family office trusts. And, you know, we knew when we started this firm, even though we weren't necessarily calling ourselves the right name or using all the right words for what we were doing, we were immediately, um, you know, attracting family office trusts, which, you know, make up a, a good percentage of our current client list. I think just because we were willing to take the time, sit down, have very, um, you know, tailored, holistic discussions, you know, our business grows one relationship at a time, right? So when you're going in with that mindset where it's really just about getting to know someone and seeing if the relationship works and if you can bring a solution to the table, you immediately attract sort of family office trust type folks because it's a very common culture. So we have literally been working with Family Office Trust since, since we were founded. So, so that leads me to the next question is that, you know, is there any difference um, between um, Family Office's clients and your more traditional type of clients? Go ahead, do you want to? <laughs> um, as we were preparing for this, CJ, we sort of went back and forth um, on this and just really started to compare our family office clients with our non-family office clients and 
found that really at the portfolio level, the real estate portfolio level, there isn't a huge amount of difference. We think the difference really sits what I'm going to call the corporate level, which I know is not the right terminology for the family office, but up at that sort of higher level that that's, that's overarching. That's, yes, that's a good way to say it. So it's really there that we see more of a difference. and maybe the driving forces for how they make decisions mm -hmm. um, is at that level, not so much down at the portfolio level. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. But what, about work, what about working with the families in relation to, I mean, I guess on some manners, like you said, it's going to be the same type of um, challenges or issues that they might have, right, from a, a real estate perspective. Right. So. So it's not as much, and I, I mean, I'm repeating what you've basically said, but it's, so it's not as much as the needs that they have, it's the interaction. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the entire mindset, it's a little bit of a heavier lean in, in terms of advice and, and the, the dive with which you take to make insurance and risk management decisions. So for your standard commercial real estate um, you know, they're, they're guided and led, at least at the onset, by fairly stringent requirements from, from others, whether it's a lender or an investor or a board. Um, and they're really thinking, even in their minds, a bit transactional to can we get to the closing, right? And, and what is the minimum sort of mandated insurances? And again, I mean, we, we even take sort of that mindset and we try to raise the bar, but with a family office, we've found consistently that those folks maybe don't have that. Maybe there's not as much debt placed for some of our clients that do family office trust. They, they don't have necessarily other equity partners. And so they really want to understand more benchmarking, claim examples, where am I really exposed? They want to have more in-depth conversation to understand why they're buying, how much they're buying, you know, what risk management strategies can they utilize to not buy since they're not required in some cases. So it is absolutely a different conversation. I think that there's a privacy, a confidentiality that is expected. Um, and I, I think, too, as, as we really think about it, the wealth preservation, the reputation protection, those two are the drivers for family office. How they buy, right? How, yep, how they buy, and I would imagine that goes beyond insurance. Um, but with our... Mm -hmm non-family office clients, we were trying to come up with, okay, what are the two main drivers for them? And the top two that we really can think of are the fact that they want to close the deal and it's their return on investment. So the mindset is slightly different. The results, again, are going to lead to the same type of insurance buying at the portfolio level, but very different potentially at that executive level. Right, the D&O, the, the employee. Yeah, which yeah, which I want to I want to go in here for a second, but you know, with what you're saying, it makes 100% you know uh, sense to me from the mere fact that I would say there's three different buckets that real estate for a family falls into. You have um, the family that created their wealth in real estate, and they're, they've got that actual business, which is like any other business, and probably any other. You know, it's, just, it's a professional real estate company, right? The second is um, the family similar to the one that I'm currently in where, um, you know, building out its own entity and starting to acquire different assets and, and slowly building it up 
Um, and then you've got, you know, families that are just buying for them, themselves. And it's just, you know, various assets, whether it's diversification or, um, you know, for, for long-term planning, cash flow, right? So, so there's really three different, three different areas there. So what, what you said made a, made a lot of sense. We're, we're going to take a quick break here, and then I want to get back into some other questions that you, started to, you guys started to bring up, um, which, is, which I'm excited to hear about. But let's just take a moment for a break, and then we'll be right back. Hi, this is Jim Freed, the host of Freed on Business on 880 AM, The Biz in Miami. And you're listening to the U.S. Family Office Realestate.com podcast. The podcast provides you real estate information designed specifically for family offices. Make sure you check out U.S. Family Office Realestate.com for educational information for family offices, including white papers, fact sheets, videos, and podcasts. You'll also find information on specific markets and assets, real estate cycles, tax-efficient real estate investing ideas, and much, much more. That's U.S. Family Office, realestate.com. Information for family offices, by a family office. So we're back with today's podcast for the Family Office Real Estate Institute, and today we have Parallel Risk Advisors with Debbie Dorsch and Eileen Hartzell, and we're talking about um, insurance uh, having to do with real estate and um, some of the things that they're seeing and the changes that are happening within the industry. And, um, you know, to pick up on what we were talking about before, um, you know, we were talking a little bit about whether there was differences or not differences between family offices and, and your traditional, um, you know, real estate companies. But what issues insurance-wise do you guys usually find that are missing in a family's real estate portfolio? So I think, you know, sort of going back to um, particularly the, the first generation that's maybe taking the wealth and the purchasing the real estate, there's... We, we tend to find that the sort of policies, procedures around risk management and the insurance requirements have not really been set um, as standards or in place. And so oftentimes what we're seeing is, you know, each asset may have its own insurance policy. There's, court, you know, there's gaps um, in insurance being in place for sort of the corporate risks like breach of privacy or, um, you know, environmental indemnities, uh, you know, em employment practices sort of, sort of like discrimination or willful termination. So there's all these insurances that cover things that if you don't know even what to ask, then you wouldn't even know you could insure for it. Um, and it goes so well beyond just insuring for the asset, which, you know, everybody knows. Um, so we often find that with the family office trust when we're onboarding them is that the insurance is all over the place and there's clear gaps missing in what, you know, we, we keep referring to as sort of the corporate level insurances and we just have to have the right conversation, pull all the pieces together and help simplify the program and round out the yeah. coverages. And I want to add there that I think when you have a new family office, that is a spot where it's really important to have 
an insurance advisor, um, hopefully more of a risk manager, to pull the director or the executive person that runs the family office as well as the person who's running the real estate arm of the family office because if they're not talking, we've seen that there can be a whole staff of employees at the more executive side of the family office versus the real estate side. And there are employees potentially on each, on each side, which can result in the same exposure um, right. leading up to that patriarch. So that pulling those parties together um, with one person who understands the risk could be incredibly beneficial, um, in particular in a new family office where they're just developing their standards of operation. Mm -hmm. um, and even though the, the variety of folks that are involved obviously are dealing with large sums of money, um, the level of sophistication of the systems in place may not be what they need to be, especially right out of the gate. And again, it's, it's like any business that's starting. You, know, you really have to get your foundation strong um, at, as soon as possible. So we, we have sort of well, two examples, and they're, they're small, but I think they you know, get to the point, which is you know, we had a family office client that when we initially onboarded them, you know, we were meeting with the real estate team every quarter to review uh, you know, overall risk at the portfolio and corporate level, what insurances were in place, what insurances weren't in place. And there were obvious insurances that weren't in place, but the real estate buying team consistently passed over saying, you know, we're not worried about that, it's not a big deal, um, move on. You know, no one's making us carry that and there's a cost to it, so let's move along. So we had an opportunity in one of these meetings where the patriarch actually joined and we were sort of flying through these thinking, okay, we've talked about them, you know, every quarter for two years. And he said, stop, 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 hold on a minute. So we don't have insurance to protect us if we're sued by an employee or an outside party for discrimination or sexual harassment. And we said, well, no. And here's sort of, you know, we went through what the decision had previously been in the conversation. He said, we know that's important to me because that's my reputation. That those can be big dollars. You know, um, that's not something I want to mess around with. How you know how much is that? And it was twenty five hundred dollars. It was yeah, a very small amount of money for so, the coverage. Yes, yeah, so it was really interesting because his team was still thinking. So, well, what's required? You know, and does it is it impactful to the portfolio? And they weren't, for whatever reason, you know, because the family office trust was operating somewhat separately than the real estate, um, about really the reputation and wealth of the patriarch, which is unfortunate. But that was an interesting thing that we learned, that we have to be able to have some access to the family office trust side who's really thinking differently um, when we're looking at the holistic picture for insurance and risk management. And... Um, you know, one of the other ones is actually a, a fairly new relationship for us, and we've had several discussions, and this is, this is also, this is first-generation money, right, Debbie, that's being now yep. invested in real estate, and they had uneasiness about 
all the various family members' sort of communication um, being not regulated, you know, and what was going to happen if, you know, private information was released or somebody hacked into their system or, you know, they felt uneasy, but they didn't really understand what the potential insurance support that was out there, and nobody was really talking to them about that. So, you know, again, making sure that you're talking to the right people and having full conversations about the risks that are out there, I think really helps get to the bottom of yeah. what insurance and risk management needs to be in place to ultimately protect the reputation and wealth of these families. I think cyber... Well, I'm not, I, I was going to say is, is, you know, what you guys are saying, um, I am not surprised whatsoever. Um, and the reason I say that, because one of the things that continues to amaze me, and this, this is not a blanket statement for all single-family offices. It's, it's, I, I think you see it in a lot of, um, of the newer family offices where they might have only been around for a year or two years, and they've had this huge exit, right? And so you typically have somebody that's, <clears throat> that's been in a certain industry, they sell their business, and now they're, they, they have hundreds of millions of dollars. And, you know, now they're, they, they form a family office and they're going to, you know, invest and do the planning and everything else. And what amazes me is here in this business, I'm sure of it, that they had systems and processes, they had controls, and they had policies and procedures. And it's like they leave this, the business world and they forget it all. You know, and there's no one requiring it at that point. You have to make yourself accountable. <laughs> which is yeah, and it's it's it's, but it, it, you know that's the fundamentals from a business perspective, and and a lot of times that's you know that doesn't get followed. It's, and that was also on the investment side, sort of feeling around rather than saying, okay, we're going to allocate X amount toward real estate, X amount toward stocks, or whatever that that case is. So I'm not I'm not. Um, Surprised to hear that, and of course you've you, you also have the saying that you know when you meet one family office, you met one family office, and right. and you know you bring up a very good point too, where with what you're saying, I mean, if a family office does have a CIO and a CFO, you know they're thinking totally differently, and if you've got somebody that's overseeing one particular area, and if it is real estate, you know they're thinking to themselves, okay, I want to produce results for this guy. Uh, which includes having very good returns, but also minimizing expenses. Right. And so they're focused in their one little channel rather than that total big picture. Right. And I would, I would bet that there's a lot of families um, that may be listening to this right now, patriarchs that are, that they need to realize that, hey, you need to, you do, you, you have to make sure that you're taking a holistic approach to your thought process because, um, you know, there's a lot more that's, that's going on and, more importantly, things that you need to protect, and, you know, which, which makes sense because the majority of families, are, they're in the wealth preservation mode after they've created this big, you know, amount of wealth. Right, exactly. So can you give me an example of a time that y you saw um, having the right insurance in place, you know, paid off? Because everybody thinks insurance is if a problem happens, and I'm never going to have to deal with any of those problems, right? But unfortunately, they do happen. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, and this was something, you know, we were, we were sort of racking our brains because if things don't go wrong, you know, and they're going right, you, you don't make quite as much of a mental sort of note of them. But, you know, we, we certainly, um, you know, work really hard with our clients to make sure that um, information is communicated before it goes sideways, that um, contracts are, um, you know, t tight to protect the, the ownership, and, um, you know, that the, the right things are in play so that things don't go sideways. And um, so, you know, we had a client who had a um, significant um, D&O suit that stemmed out of um, pulling out of a deal at, at what was deemed to be the 11th hour. So after the, the period, the due diligence period with which, you know, the money had gone hard and they, they were not supposed to be pulling out, but it was a it sort of uh, miscommunicated with the legal team and the deal team, and they, they ended up pulling out of the deal, and also a lawsuit ensued. And um, the, the claim came in as a technical breach of contract, which is not insurable at its simplest level, but we were able to negotiate with the insurance carrier um, by using some, some contracts that we you know, had in place during due diligence with the legal team and some indemnities that had been, um, again, put in place during due diligence to make sure that ultimately any sort of penalty payment here was going to get covered elsewhere, and we just needed the insurance carrier to respond to the claim and cover the, the defense, which can tend to be the significant dollars, um, particularly on the front end, and can tie up cash flow, which is, you know, concerning to anybody. Um, and, and, you know, we were able to do that through relationship and some risk management strategies that we put in place um, and the involvement and communication with the carrier on the front end. And it ended up being about $2.5 million of defense that the insurance carrier did uh, respond to um, up front for the client. So that was a big win. Wow. Wow. So, <clears throat> all right, what... Here, here's a, I mean, and there's so many questions that keep coming to me, and we're, we, you know, we're, we're going to need to finish up here pretty soon. But how important is it? You know, uh, w one of the things I'd mentioned earlier is that not only wealth preservation, but also for future generations. So, how important is it to start to educate the future generations? Um, so that they can become involved in the real estate portfolio um, or have an understanding of the insurance coverage, et cetera, um, when it comes to this type of planning? Obviously, incredibly important for succession planning and knowledge transfer um, from the senior family members, directors, down through the ranks. Um, without really doing that at the onset, I think they'll lose a lot of that sort of legacy type knowledge um, and may risk not having the sort of the right mindset of risk management um, that really has to be sort of drilled in at, at every level. Um, and if you miss that opportunity with the future generations, they might start cutting corners 
they may not realize the importance, they may not understand how important it is to communicate at all levels, and you could end up with a very different real estate portfolio or functioning of the real estate arm and could eventually start evaporating the wealth and the protection at that level. Yeah, and um, we've actually had two clients that have handed over from the, the patriarch, you know, sort of the initial um, uh, generation that created the wealth to the next generation unsuccessfully. And um, it's, it's really heartbreaking to watch it. Um, while it certainly isn't led at all by sort of the risk management insurance component, you can see the breakdown within the insurance and risk management communication when that second generation does not value the wealth in the same way, does not feel the responsibility in the same way. And, you know, we, we had um, one of the, it was a son in this case, say to us at one point as we really pushing to drive home the same risk management that the, the father had adopted um, because the, the claims were getting so out of control that, you know, they were really losing kind of the, the positive story that had been told and the, the aggressive premiums that had been in place. And the son literally said to us, well, when I hear what I don't want to hear, I just turn up the noise or turn up the music. Mm-hmm. And we thought, this is such a shame that it went from a generation who had valued, really valued the transfer of risk and the protection of wealth and uh, reputation to somebody who just wanted to turn up the music so they didn't hear the truth. I think it's too, again, a lot of the the concepts and the way family offices are run versus a business um, are the same, mm-hmm. and you want to try to make sure strong policies and procedures and risk management is in place, and the culture at which you're trying to, to function is passed down. So I don't see too much of a difference in family office to, to our other clients in that sense either, um, and I, I actually wonder if it's almost harder in a family office because of the fact that you're family. And I think some of that yeah. could have been our client's issue where the son's trying to make his mark and you know, almost do the opposite of, of what the father was doing. So that, that is absolutely a challenge, but like you said, incredibly important. Yeah, the family, the family dynamics are... are are quite interesting and and the larger the family obviously the the tougher it becomes and some some want to be in, involved in in the um in what's going on with the family office some don't want to just send me a check um <clears throat> you know some uh because they don't get along they just want to be devious about certain components and you know not agree about this or that i mean it it can really get quite quite complex but I mean you're bringing up some very interesting um, aspects that I hadn't thought before I mean I know some people actually that I need to introduce you guys to that look at the you know try to work with the families on a lot of this uh, a lot of things like the uh, relationships amongst the family and how do you deal with that and you know how do you plan for the future and stuff like this and I'd be very surprised if this conversation is is uh, or if this is a part of the conversation, I, I would think that it may, very well may not be, and, and to the point where I'd probably bet it probably isn't, you know, part of those conversations. 
So very, very interesting. Well, I got to tell you guys, um, the, the purpose when I started putting together this podcast a couple years ago was to um, provide information that was not, you know, practical and useful and provide some insight for families. And um, I'm super excited that you guys are going to be, you know, having an article in, um, uh, in the Family Office Real Estate Magazine in June because this conversation today alone is, you know, is, is providing exactly what I wanted to do, uh, you know, when I started this. So, um, Debbie or Arlene, let me ask you a question. For, for people that want to get in touch with you guys or check you out, um, what's the best way to get in touch with you guys? Well, we can certainly provide our cell phones. Um, mine is, this is Debbie, it's 410-491-2391. Um, and our, my email address, do you want me to? Yeah, please. It's ddorsch, which is D-D-O-R-S-C-H, at ParallelRiskAdvisors.com. And our website is ParallelRiskAdvisors.com as well. Fantastic. Eileen, did you want to leave your information or have them go through Debbie? I think go through Debbie just for ease. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, I really, really want to thank you guys for being on the show today. Um, it's been, like I said, great. And the one thing I will say is is um, it's no wonder why you guys uh, have been, are in the process and will continue to have a successful business because, you know, the time I've spent with you guys, it's just been truly, truly enjoyable. And um I can see a lot of families, um, you'll continue to get family office clients because like I said, it's about relationships and you want to enjoy who you're spending time with and, and you guys definitely display that. So, um, and, and that's just the getting along part, let alone the knowledge and expertise that you guys have. So thank you, thank you very much for, for being on, on the show today. Um, thank you for coming into um, and people listening to, to uh, the Family Office Real Estate Institute podcast. Today we had the chance to talk uh, insurance topics, actually, with uh, Debbie Dorsch and, and uh, Eileen um, Hartzell, which is uh, principals with Parallel Risk Advisors. I definitely would recommend anybody finding out more information. If anything, just getting a chance to meet and, and go over some of the um, the aspects that um, uh, they might be able to help you out with. So, Debbie, Eileen, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a great pleasure. Thank you, DJ.